Would you please turn with me to your study outline that's there in your program, and as you're turning, let me welcome those of you that are joining us online, as well as our friends in Arco, Idaho, and also our friends in Kalispell, Montana, Purpose Church, Kalispell, Montana, a Baptist Community Church in Arco. We are so glad that you're joining us for our study of God's Word. We're continuing our Christmas series called King of Kings, and it was inspired by uh, the fact that a couple months ago, Kanye West recently dropped an album called Jesus is King. And it's gotten a lot of people in our culture, more than usual, uh, talking about Jesus. So we're in the middle of a three-part series called King of Kings. Last Sunday, I talked about That's My King. And on Christmas Eve, we're going to answer the question, talk about the question, who's your king? And then today, we're going to talk about a different kind of king. Now, next Sunday, I'm going to do a message leading into the year 2020, how to stay unified with the people in your life even during an election year. How to stay unified with the people in your life even during an impeachment year, even during an election year. Now, as we talk about a different kind of king, let me start with a picture of what the world looked like before Jesus. Now, this uh, rooster was supposed to be uh, a live chicken that we're going to have here throughout the morning, one of Pastor Lisa and Dr. Carl Tony's chickens. But I found out last night about something called Newcastle disease. How many of you have heard about that? And found out it was illegal to transport a chicken. And so rather than have uh, Carl and Lisa spend the holidays in jail, um, it was a chance I was willing to take, but uh, they, they were not as excited, excited about their, they're leading a group of about 50 from our church to Israel uh, later this week. So rather than have them spend it in jail, we decided to go with this chicken uh, rooster rather than one of the live ones. And so I apologize to the kids. I uh, implied that something special was going to be here. Well, this is that surprise. (laughs) But that's going to get you used to Christmas, okay? Because a lot of things you open up, it's just, I shouldn't say that. Okay. (laughs) Prepare yourselves for disappointment. So um, uh, chickens only have one way of creating relationships. And you've heard this term before. We apply it to human beings. It's called the pecking order. How hard you peck determines how high in the pecking order you are. How lot, if you're not very strong, a pecker, a pecking, you are lower in the pecking order. You're at the bottom of the pecking order. And so if you're at the top of the pecking order, life is good. Uh, you eat first. You have your own turf. Everybody leaves you alone. Life is good at the top of the pecking order. If you're at the bottom of the pecking order, life is not so good. You're always under attack. You're, you're hungry, you're lonely, you suffer from low chicken self-esteem. Uh, now, not to be offensive to, to Mr. Chicken here and to all the chicken lovers here, but this is not a good way to live. I was going to say it's a S-T-U-P-I-D way to live, but my four-year-old granddaughter, Emily, is going to be here today, and whenever she hears me say that word, she comes over to me and she goes, Pop-Pop, I am so disappointed in you. So... <laughs> And it keeps me straight with my filthy mouth, you know, and just uh, keeps me under control. As a matter of fact, a little girl ran out to me after the last service and said, I know what you spelled. I know what you spelled. So, so at any rate, it, it's just, it's not a good way to live. But it's hard to change living according to the pecking order. Uh, it's hard to change, and it has disastrous consequences. Do you know that some chickens can peck each other to death? And farmers are desperate to get rid of this problem. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm not lying, there's a product called Peck No More 
that you spray on the chicken and it makes them smell bad. Now, I've never known a chicken to smell anything but bad, but at any rate, it's called Peck No More. One farmer, true story, actually tried to put contact lens on their chicken so they couldn't see each other all that clearly, but the chickens weren't very good at taking care of their contact lenses, and so uh, that idea didn't work. Now, as a last resort, uh, you can you can threaten the chicken, and this is how you threaten the chicken. You take this out, and, and I was going to, last service, I ate a bite of this, all right, and I couldn't preach. I had to stop, and everybody had to watch me chew for a minute before I finally was able to swallow and get that on, so I'm not going to bite it today, Tina. We're going to leave that one alone. Now, the, the chicken and, and packing order is a picture of the world before Jesus. It was a dog-eat-dog world. It was a survival of the fittest world. It was a pecking order world before Jesus came. And so Jesus calls together his, his followers, his disciples. He called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, pecking order. And their high officials exercised authority over them, the pecking order. There was this famous Roman senator named Cicero, and uh, he was at the top of the pecking order because the Roman Senate of the Roman Empire, that would be the tippy top, very top of the pecking order. And he said to all of his colleagues there at the Senate, he said, rank must be preserved. Well, of course, when you're at the top of the pecking order, you want rank to be preserved. And this demonstrated itself in, in some interesting ways. First of all, in the area of clothing, between 30 and 40% of the Roman Empire were slaves. And so to show off with your clothing that you were free and that you were not a slave, you had this thing called the freedman's cap, and it would identify you as being free rather than a slave. If you were free and a young man between the ages of 14 and 16, you got this thing called the toga virilis, from which we get our word virility, which was the toga of manhood. Now, if you were at the very top of the pecking order, you, had, you would wear the senator toga with a big purple stripe down the side. Now, um, those, those people back then did that, but I can't imagine people today using clothing labels to show their status. Can you uh, imagine such a thing going on today? Now, the most prestigious of all was called the John Belushi uh, toga. This is the one that was at the top. Now, if you don't know what that is, ask your parents or I'm ashamed to say, ask your grandparents uh, uh, what, what that is. Now, one of the leaders of the early church was a man named James. He was the brother of Jesus. And he said to the followers of Jesus, we're not going to act like the rest of the people who follow the pecking order. We follow a different kind of king, so we're going to act in a different way. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who believed him. And so those that followed the king were to not follow the pecking order. Here comes a different kind of king uh, who's also, with regard to his uh, clothing, was, was announced to shepherds 
uh, who were at the bottom of the pecking order, his birth. And he was also, lest we have reverse snobism, he was also, his birth was announced to the wise men who were at the top of the pecking order. So this was a king who was for everyone at the bottom of the pecking order, the shepherds all the way to the top of the pecking order, the wise men, and everybody in between. Anybody want to say amen to that? He was for everybody. Now, John Ortberg writes, the church is going to mess with Rome and the pecking order and get into a lot of trouble. Jesus was a revolutionary, and he was going to go counter pecking order. And you could see this, the clothing, even at his birth. Uh, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths. Reverse pecking order. Who, who's, who's wrap, who wraps their babies in cloths? Somebody at the bottom of the pecking order. And lying in a manger, as one of the brilliant children uh, just said, I think it was Brindley. I think Brindley was the one that said this, that uh, it's a feeding trough for animals. Who, who gives birth to their baby and places it in a feeding trough? Somebody at the bottom of the pecking order. From the very beginning, we knew this was going to be a different kind of king. Pecking order applied to vocation, what, what you did for a living. Remember Cicero? He said, vulgar are the means of livelihood of all hired workmen whom we pay for, and you can hear the sneer in his voice, mere manual labor. Okay. Uh, if, if you were at the top of the pecking order, you'd never get your hands dirty. You'd never do manual labor. That was for people at the bottom of the pecking order. And along comes a different kind of king who was the son of a carpenter who grew up to be a, what? A carpenter. Son of a carpenter. Grew up to be a a carpenter, again, at the bottom of the pecking order. This king was a different king that was going to turn things upside down. How about legal status? It was also based on the pecking order. They had a saying in the Roman Empire, one law for the more honorable, another, another for the more humble. Can you imagine that happening today? That the wealthy might get different justice than those that don't have as many means. Can't imagine such a thing, can we? That somebody who can afford a, a really fancy lawyer would get better justice, a different kind of justice than somebody who gets a court-appointed attorney. Now, when I said that, I just by instinct went over to this side of the room because when I said that at the 8.30 service, the district attorney for San Bernardino County was sitting right there. And, and but Jay, Jason's a good friend. He's, I mean, he goes to our church. He's awesome. And, uh, and, I, and I said, except for San Bernardino County, there you get equal justice all, all across the board. Um, uh, crucifixion. How about the punishment for our crimes? Roman citizens, no matter what you did, you could do the worst crime in the world, could not be crucified. Why? Because they were at the top of the pecking order. Um, Crucifixion was not just execution. It was meant to dishonor the person being executed. It was meant for humiliation. As a matter of fact, they had a nickname in the Roman Empire for crucifixion. They called it the slave's punishment. But our king comes along, and he's a different kind of king, and he ends up getting executed like the lowest member of the pecking order. And he challenged his followers to see themselves the same way. Paul, uh, an early leader in the early uh, group of Christ followers, writes to a group of Christ followers in the city of Rome in Italy. And he writes to them. And and he, he refers to himself, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Now, Paul was a Roman citizen. 
But instead of using that calling card, because to be a Roman citizen was to be at the top of the pegging order, rather than play that card to get the respect of his audience, instead he chooses to refer to himself as a servant of Christ Jesus. That would have been cultural suicide. Who starts a new movement proclaiming that your leader was born and wrapped in cloths when he was born, he was laid in a feeding trough, and he grew up to get the slave's punishment? Who does that? That's societal, cultural suicide. But we did it because we have a different kind of king, don't we? That's my king. That's your king. Last week, we read, uh, I read the entire one of um, Kanye West's songs from that album. And one of the lines that we read last Sunday was, this, Kanye West says, this ain't about a dead religion. Jesus brought a revolution. And that's what he did. He started a movement. He started a counter-pecking order revolution. It applied to social status as well. In the Greek amphitheaters, where you sat in the theater uh, was not determined by how much you paid for your ticket. Now, this afternoon, Kimberly and I are taking uh, some of our daughters and granddaughters uh, to Disney on Ice at the Honda Center. And where we sit, how close we are to the ice, will determine how much money we shelled out for that ticket. But back then, it was purely by your social status. It was all determined by the pecking order. If you were high in the pecking order, you'd be down here. And if you were low in the pecking order, you would be up here. It's how you determine where you sat at a banquet or a dinner. Uh, earlier this month, we looked at a parable Jesus told to address the pecking order. Uh, when he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you'll have to take the least important seat. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he'll say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. That is a different kind of king. Now, Jesus isn't finished. Uh, he wants to address another part of the pecking order. Do you know that the concept of humility, we admire uh, humility um, uh, today in our culture. Do you know that before Jesus, it was only Jesus that introduced the concept that humility was a good thing? Do you know in the early Greek and Roman world, it was considered a weakness to be humbled in Greek philosophy and in the Roman Empire before Jesus? Um, and when you gave a gift, you were expected to receive a gift of equal value. Now, now, the same kind of thing is true today, isn't it? I mean, have you calculated what does that family give us? And we're going to give about the same thing back to them. But they took it to extremes. They would actually use a gift, knowing that you had to reciprocate with a gift of equal value. They would actually use a gift to put another person down to humiliate a person because they knew that if I gave them this gift, they didn't have enough money to give me back a gift of equal value. So it was a way of putting down another person. As a matter of fact, they're, they're in, in Roman history, there's actually recorded that some people would actually go bankrupt trying to save their honor by giving back a gift of the same value. They'd go bankrupt. Can you imagine anybody ever going bankrupt to keep up appearances with, with neighbors? It's just, just incomprehensible that that might happen today. And so that's why Jesus continues in verse 12. Uh, then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, 
Do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. A different kind of king. How about titles? Oh, they love titles back in the Greek and Roman world that Jesus came into. Uh, Caesar Augustus, remember him from the Christmas story? He's the one that gave the census so that the uh, children, uh, that uh, Mary and Joseph would go to Galilee, um, uh, down to Bethlehem. The distance was, and time was 40. That's, that's what the, that's what the distance was. Like I, Referring back to a story back there. Never mind. All right. All right. Um, Caesar Augustus, he wrote this uh, piece called The Deeds of the Divine Augustus. The Divine Augustus, written by Augustus. Uh, three times I triumphed at Noration. 21 times I was named emperor. The Senate voted even more triumphs for me, which I declined. Because of victories won by me, the Senate voted Thanks to the immortal gods, 55 times. In my triumphs, nine kings or children of kings were led before my chariot. I've been counsel 13 times. I was the highest ranking senator for 40 years. I held the office of Pontifex Maximus. All citizens with one accord unceasingly prayed in every holy place for my well-being. Well, la-di-da. Good for you. Good for you, uh, Augustus. There was actually a guy at this time named Plutarch who, who wrote, no lie, wrote a book called How to Praise Yourself Unoffensively. How to Praise Yourself Unoffensively. Now, into that pecking order environment, um, here, here comes Jesus. Uh, remember back in verse 25, we started with this verse. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. And with five words, he changed the course of history. Five words. Not so with you instead. Let's say those five words out together. Out loud together. Not so with you instead. With those five words, Jesus, just like he turned the tables over the temple, he took the pecking order and threw it upside down. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. A different kind of king. Now, there's one moment when chickens are liberated from the pecking order. And by the way, I do know this is a rooster, not a a dad of hand. This is what we had. Had to replace it at the last minute. Okay, okay. Uh, There's one moment when chickens get liberated from the pecking order. It's when a mother hen is protecting her young. Um, It's been told that when a fox attacks a hen and her chicks, she will hover over them and literally stay there while the, ch- the fox bites her, taking pieces out of her in order to protect the chicks. 
firemen have told about how they'll come to a field that's been burned over and they'll find the burnt corpse of a mother hen with her feathers over her chicks. They will lift off the dead body of the mother and there will be the chicks alive underneath her. Um, and Jesus uses that illustration to compare to the love he has for you and for me. Shortly before his death, Jesus said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Are you willing today to have Jesus cover you with the wings of forgiveness, to cover you with the wings of salvation. That's what, when he hung on the cross, uh, the, the slave's form of execution, uh, when he hung on the cross, he took the fire of the wrath of God, and for those that will allow him to cover them with his wings, he will take that wrath, and you will go free and saved. And you can do that right here. And right now, would you pray silently with me as I pray out loud? Just, just pray this silently in your heart as I pray it out loud. Dear Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross to bear the wrath of a holy God in order to save me from my wrongdoing. I ask you now to cover me with your wings of forgiveness and of salvation. And from this day on, I want to follow you as a new kind of king. Show me how to act the way somebody who follows a king like you would act. Be my king. Be my leader. Be my Lord. Thank you for forgiving me of all my wrongdoing. And thank you for uh, Emmanuel, um, God with us. Thank you for if I open my heart to you to be present in my life. As Teresa sang earlier, he came all this way to make your heart his home. Emmanuel, God with us, I open my heart and receive you today as my Lord, as my Savior, and as my King. And I pray it in Jesus' name, and all those who follow Jesus said, Amen.